Um, I'm going to do it a little bit unconventional again. I'm just going to lay out several scriptures next to one another, and then I'm going to bring out something that those scriptures emphasize and kind of work from there. And we're going to deal, I'm going to deal, deal intently on the function of, of the apostolic and on the necessity of the apostolic, understanding this much, and I won't go into it in detail. I'll throw it out there, and I hope y'all don't just reject me. The pastoral model was never God's model for ministry. God never intended for a pastor to lead a church. He intended for a pastor to be a part of a leadership team in the church. But pastors were never intended to lead the church. A church cannot be a church unless an apostle is somewhere. Amen? And, and we're gonna, I'm not going to go depth delve deep into the, those things, but that's one of the main reasons why the church is so immature. It's immature because they have some, someone leading them that cannot bring them into maturation. Amen? And so we'll go into those things later, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, and I'm going to start with the Passion Translation. I'm going to read that out of the Passion Translation. It's a phenomenal um, um, text, and it ties in the apostolic and some of the apostolic's function. Um, Thank God for you all being, being willing to stand for the reading of the word. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20 in the Passion Translation. It says here, so you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are children of the city of the holy ones. With all the rights as family members of the household of God. I love that. Verse 20, I love the wording of it. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple. And your lives are being built up together. Everybody say built up. Upon the ideal foundation. Everybody say foundation. Laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building. The anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Powerful verse. First uh, Peter chapter two verse five in the New King James version. It's, it reads, "You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual. Everybody say built up. Are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Christ Jesus." And then lastly, I want to look at Jude chapter, um, the one chapter that Jude has and the 20th verse. Out of the Passion Translation. And then we'll jump into this. It says, but you, my delightfully loved friends, constantly and progressively build yourselves. Everybody say build yourself. Up on the foundation. Everybody say Foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the spirit. That's a powerful scripture. And it means exactly what it's saying. Now, go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, and then I'll jump into this. I want to go back based on Jude 20, building yourself up on that foundation of most holy of faith. I'm going to read this verse one more time. It says, so you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are children of the city of the holy ones. With all the rights as family members of the household of God, you are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple and your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. Father, we thank you. 
And we bless you right now for the word of God that's quick and powerful and sharper than any double-edged sword that's, that's literally able to draw hairline lines and separate that which is light from that which is darkness, that which is flesh from that which is spirit. Come in on today, word of the living God, and Lord God, release us into everything we're called to be joined to and disjoin us from everything we were never called to be connected to. We thank you for the power of God that comes in on today and realigns us with the ancient words of the living God and brings us into the place where we can manifest your glory in the earth. We thank you and bless you now for your goodness. We thank you and bless you now for ears to hear. We thank you and bless you now for a posture from which we can be transformed and changed by your word. We love you for it and thank you in the mighty name of Jesus and God's people said amen. Amen. Uh, you may be seated. I want to say this much, and I want to start out because we're dealing with apostolic, and we're dealing with apostolic identity. I need y'all to understand first and foremost, before I start, we are an apostolic church. We, we are now birthing an apostolic fellowship. I, I would rather say family than fellowship. What we are conceiving, we're not just planning churches. We are spreading out apostolically because apostolic assignment is always assignment to region. Apostolic assignment is always assignment to territory and area. They don't just plant a church here and then run over there to another one. They plant, what we're doing is we're planting churches next to each other in, in cities within same counties because we have an apostolic assignment to a region, a county, a place. And that's why we're doing it the way that we're doing it. Amen. With that being said, it's imperative that we understand as an apostolic church that our assignment together, we, we do have an assignment together. God brings us together. And that assignment together that we have isn't first and foremost to build something, but it's first and foremost to build our someone. It's not to build something, it's to build ourselves as someone. Please follow me and follow me well. Your lives, if you read Ephesians 2, 19 and 20, he says your lives are being built up together. If you read 1 Peter 2 and 5, you as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. Did y'all see that? If you read Jude 1 and 20, build yourselves upon the foundation of your most holy faith. If we are to build ourselves, who the building? We the building. If we are to build ourselves, we're the building. We're not together first and foremost to build GRRC Florence. Can I help you? We're not here first and foremost to build GRRC Fellowship. We're not here first and foremost to build Culture Shock. We're not here first and foremost to build any aspect of this church. Your first responsibility is to build up yourself before trying to build anything. My first responsibility is to build up myself before I try to build anything. And, and because we have not sufficiently understood that, it'll cost you if you don't understand. Don't dare try to build something before you build your someone. Amen. It'll cost you. And because we haven't sufficiently understood that, we've stepped out and tried to build something as an underbuilt someone. 
So we're underbuilt as someone, but we're trying to build something. And in the midst of building, we end up get breaking down because we weren't built up enough to try to build what we said we were trying to build. We can't be underbuilt on a personal level and build something on a public level for the kingdom of God. We can't build a something first. We must build our someone first. Build yourself up. He says it over and over again. Amen. So what that does is it takes the responsibility from your apostle. It takes the responsibility from your pastor. It takes the responsibility from your prayer partner. It takes the responsibility from the people around you. He said, no, it's your responsibility to build yourself up. Amen. Being built up. Why is that so important? And, I, and I'm going to go apostolic, but I need you to understand that. Why is it so important that we understand building ourselves up? Everybody say, build yourself up. The reason why is because it's the means by which Yahweh gives us victory. He gives us victory by building us up. If something is beating us, if something is defeating us, if something is beating us, Yahweh isn't going to change it. That's not how he works. He changes us. He'll equip us so we can build us so we'll be bigger than what used to beat us. And once we get bigger than what used to beat us, what used to beat us can't beat us anymore. Well, how, why isn't it beating us anymore? Because I'm bigger than what used to beat me. Glory be to God. See, drugs used to beat me. And God did not remove drugs from around me. Don't get it twisted. That's folk drinking. Well, if God delivered you from alcohol, it ain't because he took away the presence of alcohol from around you you're still going to see it but what he did was gave me and you grace to build ourselves bigger than the temptation called alcohol so the alcohol that used to beat me cannot beat me anymore because I'm built bigger than the temptation see where oppression where there was depression God is not going to remove the stuff that oppressed us and the stuff that depressed us we're still going to have to face all of those situations he says my agenda ain't to get you out of the stuff that's depressing you or make you where you never have to face stuff that oppresses you. What I'm going to do is teach you how to build yourself up to the place where you get bigger than what used to oppress you and you get bigger than what used to depress you. And so when you face it, it no longer beats you. Where sin used to pull us in, it can't pull us in no more. Come on, and if that ain't your testimony, you need to get to building. Well, Chloe, where depression used to pull you down, uh, our testimony is it can't pull me down like that anymore. And if it can, me and your assignment is it's time to get to building. We're trying to build the building, and we need to build our victory. It's, uh, stop trying to build it. See, if you're dealing with confusion... Start building. If you yielding to offense, start building. There is a place. Please hear me and hear me well. Glory be to God because it, it gets me excited and makes me shout. There's a place we get to where we just have to say, I'm bigger than that now. God, oh my. I, I, I know that used to frustrate me, but I'm bigger. 
bigger than that now. I know that used to tie me up, but I'm bigger than that now. I know I used to get discouraged by that, but I'm bigger than that now. I have just outgrown it. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. It don't come in the size I am in any longer. What's been beating us isn't going to change. Yahweh changes us and makes us bigger than what's beating us. So when we face what's been beating us, it can no longer beat us anymore. God says, build yourself Build yourself up. He won't move us. He'll empower us so we can build us. I'm going to say that again. He will not move us. How many of you been wanting to move? How many of you been wanting to change? How many of you been wanting something different? He won't move us. If it was about getting you somewhere else, God would be a lousy God if he left you there that long after you thought you needed to go somewhere else. Obviously, that's not the highest point of his agenda. He said, I ain't got to move you to give you victory. I'm going to make you bigger than what used to beat you. I'm going to empower you so you can build you until you get bigger than what was previously beating you. And one you beat it where you are I'll let you move to where you need to be but you need to whoop this one where you are how can we go from glory to glory if we don't whoop what was at the last glory do you understand God takes us from glory to glory he doesn't take us from defeat to glory he takes us from Glory to glory. He doesn't take us from mountain to valley. He takes us from mountain to mountain. We're trying to go to the next mountain, and we don't know how to hold it down on the one we own now. We're, you can't go to the next mountain until you learn how to stay on top of the one you're on. If I can't get the victory here, what if he takes me higher? You heard what they said, another level, another devil. So I always tell people, another level, you better get another shovel. You, something else going to have to die. Because if you're going to go higher, another party, another, if there's another level, there's another devil, well, another level, another shovel. I'm going to bury what he's going to attack before I get there So because he can only attack flesh. So I'll bury that part of my flesh so when I get there, I can function in spirit. You want to go to another level, where the shovel at? Where, where are the nails and the hammer at? You want to go to the next level? You ain't going without something dying. Amen? Ephesians 2 verse 20. The Passion Translation. Listen to what it says. If you put that back up. And I'm going to pick up in the middle of the verse. It says, your lives are being built up together. Upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. I'm going to read that again. Your lives are being built up together. Everybody say built up together. Upon the ideal foundation. Everybody say foundation. Laid by the apostles and prophets. This is what I want to talk about apostolic ministry, which you can't talk about without talking about prophetic ministry. I'm going to talk about the apostolic prophetic ministry. And I'll use that term a lot. The apostolic prophetic ministry, please hear me, must be present 
in order for believers to be in a position to build themselves up to the place where they are beating what once beat them. Please hear what I'm saying. If the apostolic prophetic ministry is not present, then believers, legitimate believers, genuine believers, believers who love God will not be able to build themselves up beyond where they are. Amen. Where there is ministry going on and the apostolic prophetic ministry is not an integral part, believers will lack the foundation necessary for them to build themselves up and outgrow their enemy. I don't have to I don't have to get out get out of what I'm in, I outgrow what I'm in. There's a time where you're just bigger than what your enemy. You're just bigger than depression. You're bigger than anxiety. You're, you're, you're just bigger than fear. You, you, it just gets to the point where that's not no longer an obstacle. But that comes from building yourself up. But there's only one place you can build yourself up. That's upon a foundation of apostolic prophetic. If there is no functioning apostolic prophetic ministry, there's nothing upon which believers can build themselves up. You can always discern when someone who is not under apostolic prophetic authority or discern somebody who is but don't properly honor it. You know how you can recognize them? Because challenges that beat them in years past, they're still fighting with today. They're, they're still fighting, which means they're the same size they was three years ago, which means they, they, their mind is in the same, the same size. Their spirit is the same size. Their endurance is the same size. Their spirit is the same size because they're still fighting with the same enemy. And if they're fighting with the same enemy, that means they're not building themselves up. If they're not building themselves up, either they are not under apostolic prophetic or they don't recognize it as apostolic prophetic because if you receive a prophet as a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. If you receive an apostle as an apostle, you'll receive an apostle's reward. Why aren't you getting bigger? Because you're not receiving what's in front of you for what's in front of you. It's a shame to be able to grow and you're stunned. Not because you ain't in, in a place where you can grow, but because you don't recognize what's speaking in your life. Hallelujah. You can recognize them because they still go back and forth fighting with grade school devils. Come on. An elementary level attacks. That at some point, you, me and you don't fight with grade school devils no more and elementary attacks. Well, I'm still not trying to fight not to curse people out. No, 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 no. That, that's a grade school devil. And I understand that's a point in all of our lives. Glory be to God. Well, we did that. But, man, you'd have been in church for 20 years and you still fighting and I almost cursed them out. You still saying that after 20 years? You are not being built up. You still dealing with grade school devils and elementary level attacks. Still having to fight not to get a bad attitude with people who got a bad attitude with you. If somebody gets a bad attitude with you, that ain't them got a problem with you. That's them got a problem with them. Why are you going to let their attitude change your attitude when the only reason why they got an attitude because they're bound and you let them share their demon with you because you took on the attitude of the one with the demon? Grade school devils. 
I almost cursed them out. How long you been in church? How long you been sitting under the word? Still falling back in the same sin. Back and forth. Been in church for 15 years and every now and again you still fall back into that sin. What that means is you're not building yourself up. That means you are no bigger still getting beat by the same enemies because we lack proper position many times to be built up either by dishonor or either the fact that apostle and prophetic is not in function. One or the other. Amen? One or the other. See, you got to take... Well, let me take it a step further. Glory be to God. And I understand there's a point, because I've been there too, when you almost curse people out, and then when you stop saying it with your lips, you can still say it in your head. And then after you say it in your head, you actually get the mind of Christ, you know? That's the next level of it. Y'all know, right? There's another place you go to where you smile at what used to make you frown, and you laugh at what used to stress you out, and what people used to do that would make you react can't get a reaction out of you. And it's not because you're holding yourself back. It's just because it don't touch those buttons no more. You've been built up. See, it's one thing if you can push my buttons. It's another thing if the buttons are no longer there to push. God don't hide our buttons. God delivers us from having buttons. You can't push them. I'm bigger than that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I might need to preach on that in another hour. No. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, King James Version. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 20. It says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. Look at Jude 1 and 20. But you, my delightfully loved friends, constantly and progressively build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the Spirit. There are literally believers, men and women of God. And we got to understand as believers and men and women of God, we can't just build ourselves up anywhere. I'm going to say that again. You can just get a book. You can just watch videos. You can just look on TV. You can't just build yourself up anywhere. That's not what that scripture says. Upon the presence, it must be upon the presence of the apostolic prophetic. You, you, I, I ain't saying you, telling you books can't help. I ain't telling you videos can't help. I ain't telling you radio can't help. But there has to be present in your city and in your region an apostolic prophetic expression somewhere. And it's our responsibility to recognize it and then get on its foundation so we can build ourselves up. Amen? The apostolic prophetic has a foundational ministry function. The apostolic prophetic does not give you everything you need. The apostolic prophetic gives you everything you need 
to get to work to build yourself up. It is, the apostolic prophetic is not going to deliver you. It's going to give you everything you need to build yourself up in deliverance. It is not going to see. Our problem is we want somebody to wave a magic wand. We want somebody to take the taste out of our mouth. But what God says is I'll give you the apostolic prophetic. I'll give you somebody that will give you a foundation that if you will honor it and get on it, you'll build yourself up into everything that you need. And everything that God, you know God wants to give you. Nothing can be built, please hear me, of kingdom significance without the presence of the apostolic prophetic. I didn't say, I didn't say nothing could be built. I said nothing of kingdom significance. Eternal significance can be built without the apostolic prophetic. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 16 verse 18. How many know he wanted to build something? And he ain't going to build it anywhere either. Matthew 16, verse 18, he's talking to Peter. Peter just got a revelation about who he was. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter, I tell you the truth, flesh and blood have not revealed this unto you. And then he goes on to say, and I say to you that you are Peter, right? Verse 18, and on this rock I will Build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Just like man, please hear me, won't build a building without first having a foundation in place. A man knows better than doing that. How much more Jesus, we know he will not build his church without a foundation being in place. What is that foundation that must be in place for Jesus to build his church? His foundation is the apostle and the prophet with him being the chief cornerstone. Is that right? That is, it's the apostle and the prophet with him being the chief cornerstone. In other words, he makes himself a part of that foundation. He makes himself the corner of the foundation where he says, if you reject me, you reject them. And if you reject them, we don't like that. You reject me. There's no way if the apostolic and prophetic are one with God, if that's the foundation and he's the cornerstone, I can't reject the apostolic prophetic voice if it's authentic and still receive the Christ who is the cornerstone of that foundation. He's so intimately tied in purpose to the apostolic and prophetic. He says, if you reject me, you reject them. And if you receive them, you receive me. You can't have one without the other. Amen. That's how imperative the apostolic is. That's how imperative the pro prophetic is. The Lord binds and ties and yokes himself up to the apostolic prophetic. That's why it's resurging. And that's why men are beginning to teach on it. Because there's a whole bunch of building, but a lot of it ain't the church. There are believers building clubs. There are believers building organizations. There are believers building charities. Come on. There are believers building mentoring programs that they are calling the church. But the only ones building the church are the believers being led by functioning and, and, and active apostolic and prophetic presence. If apostolic prophetic presence is not actively functioning in the midst of that work, whatever is being built is not the church because it doesn't have the foundation for which Jesus will build on. Passing out coats ain't building the church. And we got to understand that. You don't need an apostle to, to pass out food. That ain't building the church. That's just meeting a temporal need that won't save the soul. 
Now, if Jesus says, what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? What does it profit a man to gain a bag of groceries? You can get the world and still lose your soul. We gave him a bag of groceries. That didn't help their soul. Now, I ain't telling you not to do that. I ain't saying that that's wrong. There is some good in that meeting that temporal need, but that had nothing to do with saving a soul. And so people come to church to just to get the free handout. Fall asleep during the preaching. Come in late, but know they're going to get the bag. Amen. Know they're going to get the help. Know they're going to get the... Amen. It, the, the church is not a charity. Y'all know that, right? The church ain't even supposed to take care of everybody. The church is supposed to take care of the people in the church. I don't, we don't pay people's bills who ain't a part of the church. Look at it. And then he said, you don't just pay people's bills if they're healthy. He said, look, if there's a woman in the church that's young and she's a busybody, he said, don't give her no money because she's going to go wanton and she's going to want to get married again. She's going to get hot. Let her learn how to work. 30-year-olds don't need to have their bills paid. They need to get a job. Right? Right? These are things that we need to understand. So we, like, what would Jesus do? You know, what would Jesus do? He wouldn't do that. He would do like Peter, silver and gold I have not. But that I do have, I'll give unto you. In the name of the Lord, take up thy bed. So we got to understand, see, apostolic ain't just looking to be a charity gaze and give donations completely disconnected from his dominion. Amen? God wants to connect people back to him. And so there's good in giving as long as it's connected to something apostolic. Amen? And so now, apostolic, I'll say this much, without Ephesians 2 and 20, there is no Matthew 16 and 18. It's built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Ephesians 2 and 20. Without that, there is no Matthew 16 and 18. And on this rock I shall build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Without the Ephesians 2 and 20, there is no Matthew 16 and 18. We, we, we must have apostolic prophetic presence. I'll say this much. Apostolic prophetic ministry has, again, I'll say this, a foundational function for our faith. It's meant for believers to build themselves up in Christ upon. It's a foundation that gives us the ability to build ourselves up in Christ. It doesn't build you up in Christ, but it puts you in a position that if that's what you, if you really came for him, if that's what you really want, and you're honoring the ministry that's going before you, you will build yourself up in Christ. All right? So literally, upon the apostolic prophetic presence and impartation, believers can literally build themselves up. They can build their peace bigger than whatever took it. Whatever say, you can actually, if you're struggling with peace, take apostolic ministry and say, I'm about to build up my peace. And literally build your peace up to the point where it's bigger than whatever it was that took it. So literally, if we literally honor apostolic ministry, that we can build, we can build ourselves up literally to the degree, listen to this, where nothing can take our peace. 
I ain't saying nothing attacks it. I ain't saying nothing ever agitates it. I ain't saying nothing made me contemplate. I ain't saying nothing never woke me up at night. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying at the end of the day, after it woke me up, after it tried to worry me a little bit, it still didn't take my peace. I was still able to roll back over and go to sleep. I was still able to pull my wits back together and keep on moving forward. It now is the ability to build up the aspects of God to the place where now we are literally more than conquerors and the things of this life can no longer suffocate the reality of who he is on us. Amen. Upon apostolic and prophetic presence and impartation, believers can build themselves up in victory where defeat is too small to ever defeat victory again. It's what, see, you're, literally your victory can get so big that you build. How do I get to victory? Build it. You built your victory to the place where defeat is too small to ever take it. It just ain't big enough. I ain't telling you that my victory ain't ever challenged. I ain't telling you that my victory, I, every now and again, I got to back some stuff off and rebuke it and, and praise God. But at the end of the day, victory is always maintained. Through a challenge, I still got the victory. When things are working, I still got the victory. When doors are closing, I still got the victory. When things are challenging, I still got the victory. Amen? We can build ourselves up. Come on, you can build up your prayer life. I want to pray more. Build it upon apostolic and prophetic ministry. I want to build my hunger for God. You, can, you could have been and built that. Build that on apostolic and prophetic ministry. I want to build my focus on God. You can build that up in the, as much as you want to. You can make it as big as you want to upon apostolic and prophetic. I want, to, I want to go after God like I build it up. Come on. We can do those things upon the foundation of the apostolic and prophetic. God said, if you want it, build it. If you want it, build it. I'm going to share this, and it's so, so key, and I'm going to shift gears a little bit, dealing with the apostolic. But one thing I need you to understand right away is everything is foundational. When you're getting apostolic prophetic ministry, it's something that if you receive, you can stand on and start building from. It's like, man, that's it's stability. Amen? It's anchoring. It's sure footing. Amen? So... An apostolic church fortifies men and women of God's feet and releases a measure of spiritual stability from the which men and women can build themselves up spiritually into who Yahweh has designed for them to be. Without apostolic presence, Without that stability flowing from the authority given to the apostolic and prophetic by Christ to lay the foundation, literally sincere, consistent, and committed women of God, men and women of God will never enter into the fullness of who they're designed to be, for sure. Because you can't build yourself up anywhere. I mean, you can't, we have to build that upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. A lot of people say, well, he's talking about the 12 apostles. Well, I beg the different Ephesians 4 says, and he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You know how, how long he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Till we come to the unity of the faith. Are we unified? In, is the church is unified? Yet, no. To the knowledge of the Son of God. To the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. Till we're so much, we're so much bearing his image that when men look at us, they think it's him. And we ain't got there yet. And as long as we ain't got there yet, then the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher is just as so much a player today as it was in the days of Pentecost. Amen? They're just as much players today. We cannot, 
And that's why there's so many immature believers, because we do not believe that. We believe in the, the, the theological perspective of secession, that at some point, all, all healing and all the apostolic and all that ended with the apostles. That's a lie. To keep us powerless and to keep us from being built bigger than our, that's why people run around and say, you always going to have a struggle. Why? Because they, they don't know how to build. They don't have nothing to build themselves on. Of course you're going to always have a struggle because you ain't getting no bigger. Of course you're going to always have a challenge. You're going to always have something wrong with you. You're going to always have a client. Why? Because you ain't getting a closet. You ain't getting no bigger. You're going to be that size your entire Christian life. Now, now, our thing is, we'd have a problem if our kids stayed the same size. Why is it okay in the spirit? How much more should we be growing? Amen? All right. Our feelings. Now, I'm going to get into it a little bit. Our feelings are a reflection of our foundation. Uh-oh. I'm going to say that again. Our feelings are a reflection of our foundation. To the degree our feelings are everywhere, more than likely our foundation is nowhere. I'm going to read that again. The Lord interrupted me with this, and actually this is what I heard, all the other stuff he added on the front and the back. But this is what started it. Our feelings our reflection of our foundation. To the degree our feelings are everywhere, more than likely our foundation is nowhere. See, my feel, me and your feelings some type of way is a reflection of my feet having no foundation. I'm mad today. I, I'm discouraged. I can't stop worrying. Listen to that now. Listen to that. I'm mad. I, I, I'm, I can't stop worrying. I feel like quitting. Those varying emotions are conditions that point to an unstable foundation. And I'm going to prove it to you in a minute. See, so for some reason we excuse our feelings as if we're not supposed to control them. Can you imagine God giving us a salvation where we worry and we can't help but worry? That's a bootleg salvation. I can't even control my inner parts, and he said he came to live in my inner man. How is he in there, and I can't control that? That's a bootleg salvation. Amen? And so I want to deal with that. To the degree our feelings are on a spiritual foundation, I want to talk about foundation and feelings. To that degree, our feelings will remain where we want them to be. I know the church don't deal with this. We excuse our feelings. Amen. And our feelings wind up getting us in a whole bunch of trouble. Amen. That we beg God to get us out of. Amen. Our feelings will be subject to our spirit. Or our feelings are supposed to be our spirit servant. Why is that so important? Because the only means that we have to interact with God, Travis, is our spirit. We have a spirit that interacts with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So what, literally what we have is, we have my feelings, which you can call the soul. 
you have the feelings of the soul, you have my spirit, and then you have the Holy Spirit. If I get three people, Taylor, you mind coming up here, please? And <laughs> I knew if I, if I would just ask, come on up, Taylor. Get some. Yeah, right. So I got three right here now. Now watch this. So I have, and you can just turn right here, and I need just stand in front of me. I have three right here. I have my, my feelings here. I have my spirit, and then I have God's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit refuses to communicate directly with my feelings. And my feelings cannot communicate directly with God's Holy Spirit. Right? How does God, who is spirit, communicate with us? God's spirit speaks to our spirit, and then our spirit turns around and communicates it to our feelings, right? And so how we feel is supposed to be directly influenced by Holy Spirit. But, oh, I'm <laughs> but only by way of my spirit interacting with Holy Spirit. Now, what is the Holy Spirit saying to my spirit? All is well. Everything is working out for your good. You're the head and not the tail. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives on the end. What is his spirit saying to my spirit? It's saying it's going to be good in the end. You are not being defeated. You're being molded. You're not being broken. You are literally being pruned because the promises of God. So all these things are going to my spirit. And then my spirit is going to my feelings. And when that spirit communicates what the Holy Spirit said, how do I feel? I feel like a conqueror. How do I feel? I feel joy. How do I feel? I feel peace. How do I feel? I feel victorious. How do I feel? I feel like that, that, that there's nothing that can come against me. Right, right, right. Why? Why do I feel that way? Because my spirit is now communicating to the Holy Spirit and turning around and communicating to my feelings. But the problem is, is when our feelings go renegade. We got a whole bunch of people in the church with renegade feelings. You know, move over just a little bit. You know what a renegade feeling does? Renegade feeling says, I feel some type of way and I'm just going to feel that way. Cause I know what the Bible says, but I don't want to hear that right now. I know, I know what I'm supposed to feel, but I just don't feel like that right now. I, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't want to do that right now. And so what does that do? That's my feelings rebelling against my spirit and putting distance. And so my feelings move over here. My feelings move over here. And now my spirit is still interacting with God. And God is saying, you shall live and not die. But my feelings can't be touched by it. God is saying, you have the victory, but it's not getting to my feelings. God is, have you ever been like that in church where the preacher is preaching, but you don't feel nothing? Where, glory be to God, where, the, where there's promises being spoken over you and there's nothing in you that says that that's for me. There's nothing in you that says that you're going to live. You can't feel nothing that's going on in church. And the reason why is because we came in with renegade feelings. We came in with feelings that we know don't align with the word, but we 
excused it and said because they did what they did because they said what they said because I'm going through what I'm going through this is just the way that I feel and if you really love me you're going to accept me for who I am and, and I just got to keep it real no you're keeping it wrong no no you ain't real that's wrong you are separating your feelings from the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit has no means for which to influence your feelings and so you get darker and darker you get madder and madder you get frustrated and more frustrated God what's wrong God said if you would just bring your feelings back we're in alignment with your spirit I would tell you all is well I would tell you it's not too late I would tell you I can still fix it I would tell you it's still And so it happens our feelings get further and further away from our spirit. Guess what God is doing right now? Saying, I, telling me I shall live and not die. But how do I feel like? I feel like I'm dying. Wow, he's telling me that, but I have no, it can, my spirit is saying, where are you at? I'm trying to tell you, you ain't about to die. Where are you at? I'm trying to tell you it's good. Where are you at? And so what do we do? We go into offense. And we fortify it. We go into anger and we fortify it. We distance ourselves from God and then you go to the place where you're trying to hear God. I'm just trying to hear God. That, to me, that don't make sense. It would be different if God was a mouth, but he's a word. Words ain't never quiet. Why you ain't hearing nothing? Words are always, when are words quiet? He's the word of God. He ain't a mouth. Why are you ain't hearing God? Because your feelings is being renegade. He's always speaking. I just need to get in a place where I can hear God. No, you need to get your feelings back in line. You shouldn't be trying to hear word. I'm trying to hear. Why? How many of you are trying to hear me while I'm speaking? Is there any word that's hard for you to hear? He's word like that all the time. He's eternal word. It's his, his words are always going. Always, always. In the middle of the night, his words are going. When I'm mad, his words are going. When I feel like I can't go, his No change. And so we say, God, what's wrong? And so what we end up doing is, we fortify our feelings in a place where they cannot be influenced by his spirit and then begin to draw conclusions in our feelings as if it's his spirit. Because you know you can hear God from here. Your feelings can hear God from here too. It just sounds a little different. I heard God tell me to cut them off. I heard God tell me I done did enough for them, and if they ain't going to do nothing else for me, to go about my business. That's how he sounds when your feelings are way over here. I heard God say I done did stuff for everybody else. It's time to do for me. That would be fine if you didn't have children and a spouse. You mean God told you it's time to do for you? You got children and a spouse. And wonder why you got a divorce because God told you to do for you and you got children you raising and a husband or wife. 
God don't sound like that unless your feelings are renegade. You got some renegade feelings, and you're trying to, at a, from a renegade place, just a, you, you know what you got to do? You got to bring your feelings back over here. You know how you do that? By saying, even though it hurt me, I'm going to humble myself. Even though I didn't like it, I'm going to humble myself. Even though I didn't like where it took me, I am not going to blame them for my reaction. Look, I went through so much. It ain't they fault you went through all that. That was the way you reacted. You humble yourself and bring your feelings back in line. And then you begin to hear again, it's okay. This thing can work. Anybody ever been there before where your feelings went renegade and you felt like it was over, but then you humbled yourself and you brought your feelings back in line. And before you knew it, you could lift your hands again. Before you knew it, you could sing again. Before you knew it, you could hear them again. Before you knew it, you could praise them again. Before you knew it, you're feeling good again. It's because, as I, see, what God wants us to understand is our feelings are a reflection of where we are in spirit. I'm mad. You need to get your spirit and your, your, your feelings, I don't feel like it today. So that's why I don't respond to people when they get in their feelings. Because, see, what our feelings are a reflection of how spiritual we really are. We can't have feelings going everywhere and be spiritual. Shoot, I love God, but I be getting mad. I be going to fight. And it's like, man. I need you to be spirit. You got to be spiritual. You got to learn how to be in position with stuff that can make you mad and subject your feelings to the spirit that says, hold your peace. Hold your peace. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Feelings, spirit, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So watch this. And so... I'm about to close in a minute. When we let our feelings go renegade, that's when we feel angry and we can't stop being angry. You ever can't stop being angry? The devil ain't got that much power to keep you angry. That was a choice of your feelings when your feelings went south and you knew what God's word said, but because of how you felt, you said it's okay for me to act the way I'm acting and feel the way that I'm feeling. Amen? That's when we feel depressed and we can't shake it. That's when we feel that overwhelming pull to sin and we can't seem to get loose of it. That's a feeling. You know what I'm saying? Sin only has enough power to pull you in when your feelings have separated itself from your spirit. Amen? Let me, let me share this with you. The apostolic, we're still talking about the apostolic. The apostolic lays a spiritual foundation for which, if recognized and honored, a believer can build themselves upon to the place where their feelings remain subject to their spirit. That's so key. God wants to build me and you up to the place where our feelings remain subject to our spirit. If you don't remember anything else I say, remember that. God wants to build us up to the place where our feelings remain subject, watch this, to our spirit which is always, our spirit is always in communion with what? Yahweh's spirit. Therefore, it makes it possible for us to live spiritually. 
What does it mean to be spiritual? What does it mean to be spiritual? You know what it means to be spiritual? To be spiritual, watch this, is when how we feel is a reflection of how the Holy Spirit is moving. Man, I hope y'all caught that. Well, however the Holy Spirit is moving, you can see it in how I feel. My feeling is him moving. God, whatever measure of the life the Holy Spirit is releasing, our feelings are expressing. We're spiritual. We're, we are taking an invisible spirit and making it visible through how we feel. Man, why you always got joy? I'm showing you what the Holy Spirit looked like. Why don't you ever just lose it and get mad? I'm showing you how the Holy Spirit is like. How could you be in the face of that and you ain't trying to figure out what's, how you going to solve this? What's going on? Don't you care? That it's peace. I just feel peace. That's how the Holy Spirit is moving. Our feelings become the visible expression of an invisible spirit by way of our feelings being subject to our spirit, which is in communion with his spirit. We're spiritual. How do I know you're spiritual? Your attitude. We can't. So for some reason, religion has told us we can have the wrong attitude and still be spiritual. No, no, you ain't spiritual. Your feeling, how you feel, I just feel some type of way. I just, that's evidence enough. It ain't about your feelings. Yes, it is. God don't just remove our feelings from the equation. He wants to use our feelings. You know when the Spirit explodes in you and you begin to shout and you begin to jump? What's happening? Is that just your spirit doing that? Or is your feelings becoming subject to the joy of his spirit? And when your feelings begin to be subject to the joy of his spirit, his presence begins to fill the room because his spirit is using your feelings to release who he is. No, it ain't, it ain't about how you feel. Yes, it is about how I feel. I don't want to just pray. I want to feel them when I pray. I don't just want to praise them. I want to feel them when I praise them. I don't want to just read the word. I want to feel it when I read the word. I want to feel them. We, we, we are walking in a, in a relationship we're supposed to feel. And our problem is our feelings are so far out of, out, of, out of alignment with our spirit that we can come in church and not feel nothing. How could you raise your hands and not feel nothing? Ever. How could you clap and not feel? Ever. How could you sing, he is, he is good and his mercy is everlasting and not feel nothing? That's like having intimacy with your spouse. And not, you know, worship is intimacy. How in the world, when we raise our hands, that's an intimate act. We're supposed to feel something. But our feelings have to get back in alignment. We got to bring it in. Amen. I'm going to share this and I'm closing. Jude 1 and 20. Jude 1 and 20, last part, said, but you, my delightful 
loved friends, constantly and progressively build yourself up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the spirit. In order to be spiritual, in order for our feelings to be an expression of how the spirit is moving right now. He wants us to feel how he's moving right now. He's the spirit of liberty. But in order to be spiritual, we can't just pray during prayer time. Uh-oh. He said, but you, my delightful, loved friends, constantly and progressively build yourselves up. And how? On the foundation of your most holy faith. By how? Praying every moment in the spirit. Prayer must be embraced as a character, not simply put on a schedule. I, I don't just pray 30 minutes in the morning. I pray without ceasing. I speak in tongues walking down the Walmart aisles. I, I bless the Lord under my breath while I'm driving down the street. And if it get real good, we're going to get loud like we in church. And, 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 I, and, I, and I lift him up and glorify him. Anybody ever spoke to him without opening your mouth? There was a woman by the name of Hannah. Y'all hear me? She now began to cry out to God till she moved her mouth and there was no sound. There was no sound coming out. But the crazy thing about it was it was was what caused her to be get pregnant with Samuel. You know what Samuel means? God heard. So when she could no longer speak out of her mouth, but she was still speaking within, God heard. God, God hears that. I don't care if you're just in your seat. Thank you, Jesus, without moving your lips. He hears that. God, you're good while you're sitting at your cubicle, at your job, and you're not opening up. God hears that. And guess what it's doing? building you no 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 that that just ain't ain't something to do to pass your time you're getting bigger your patience is getting bigger your joy is getting bigger your spirit is getting bigger your anointing is getting bigger your authority is getting bigger hallelujah Matthew 26 and 41, just about prayer, and, and, and I'm going to get ready to close this thing, and I'll, I'll do the rest later. Matthew 26 and 41. New King James Version. It says, watch and what? Lest you enter into the spirit indeed is, but the flesh is Pray, why? For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is. Pray, why? For the spirit is, but the flesh is. Prayer strengthens the willing part of us and weakens the weak part of us. I'm going to say that again. Prayer strengthens the willing part of us and weakens the weak part of us. Pray because the Spirit is willing. The more I pray, I strengthen the part of me that's willing to bless God, that's willing to serve God. Why is it sometimes I'm unwilling to go through, unwilling to endure? Well, I'm unwilling because I don't know how to strengthen the willing part of me. And I continue to indeed, through complaining, strengthen the weak part of me. The more that I complain, the more I now strengthen my weakness. The Spirit is willing, but the which one do we do? Do we pray and praise or do we complain and question? That'll tell us whether we're strengthening the willing part of us or weakening the weak or strengthening the weak part of us. Your weakness can get so strong that it's stronger than your strength. Amen. I'm gonna say this because we're building and I'm close I'm actually closing. 
Imagine you ready to build something. Just imagine this. Consider this. And you go to get some nails. And when you get those nails, those nails look at you and tell you, you know what? I don't feel straight today. I feel bent. I just feel crooked today. I just don't feel myself. I just don't feel like I, I just don't feel it. I just don't, I don't know what's wrong, but I don't feel like being straight today. I just, I, I feel crooked and bent. So now, why are those nails even created to build something? I got nails that I can't even use to build because they don't feel like they self. Imagine getting a hammer. And a hammer says, look, my head just ain't there. <laughs> my head just ain't in it today. And so the hammer says, look, I'm going to be a hammer without the hammer head. Because my head just ain't in it. I just don't know where I'm at today. That hammer can't be used to build. So is it with us with our feelings. We'll, we'll allow our feelings to get in places that bring us into all type of bondage, but don't forget we're called to build. You're a build. Me and you are builders. We're called to build ourselves and build his church. And we can only build his church to the degree we build ourselves. But many times we allow our feelings to make us like the nail that says, I don't feel straight today. Or we allow our feelings to make us like the hammer that says, I, my head just ain't in it. Subject your head. My head ain't in prayer. Bring it under subjection. I don't feel like it today. Bring it under subjection to the spirit of the living God and be built up. Sometimes you're being built and it feels like you're being broken. God is building you when you feel like you're being broken. He's making you greater than you've ever been in your life. Hallelujah. I ain't telling you you never have to pray without feeling it. Sometimes you might have to pray without feeling it to be in obedience. But I guarantee you, if you obey him and pray when you don't feel it, God will bring, bring the grace to where your feelings feel that. I mean, when, when, when praises go forth, I feel that. When we thank God, we feel that. And guess what? We're building ourselves. I want to pray for everybody. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody standing to your feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.